I'm Cahill Summers. And I'm Deirdre Lynn. Your Chagas Sustainability Advisors. And you're welcome to the Chagas Environment Edge podcast, bringing you the latest information, science and opinion to improve farm sustainability. On this episode, Gary Abbott, Machinery Correspondent with the Irish Farmers Journal, joins us to talk about agricultural technology of the future and what we can look forward to with exciting times ahead. With climate change and zero emissions high on the agenda, what can we expect to see as alternative tractor fuel sources in the near future? How close are we to mass use of autonomous vehicles on the farm? And who is leading the way? Is hydrogen the fuel of the future? And can engineers and scientists find a way to make it efficient and safe? Technology solves problems, but can it help farmers become more sustainable with the use of new connectivity technology and artificial intelligence? I started off by asking Gary, what can we expect to find in fields and farmyards with tractors and machines of the future to make life easier? Is there a possibility that we could be replaced by robots? Yeah, so Deirdre, I suppose what we're really looking at towards the future is alternative fuels and then eventually on to autonomous, autonomous machines, you know. So the alternative fuels we're really looking at at the moment is, is biobetane, electric and hydrogen power. They're the main alternatives that are, are being pushed by the leading manufacturers and where the developments are, are happening. So I suppose what looks the most achievable in the short term is, is biomethane and electric power. Um, we already have numerous electric machines on the market in terms of loaders, especially. And we have the smaller tractors coming on board now too. But um, I suppose the larger tractors is where the struggle lies, you know, um, battery power. The trouble with battery power is, is you need um big battery for your range so the larger the battery the more weight in the vehicle so the larger components and the heavier chassis you need for your vehicle so it's just about getting that balance but it seems to be around the 70 80 horsepower mark in terms of tractors that we've seen come to market on the electric side of things so we have um center developing an e100 vario tractor that's been in development now since 2016 but it's been put on hold due to the price of batteries um, but we've been told production is going to resume on 2024. Another interesting one is an American company, a startup called Monarch Tractors, have brought to market a fully electric and optionally autonomous tractor. So it can be driven by the operator or it can be operated autonomously. So um, these are more orchard sort of tractors, your smaller 70 horsepower specialized tractors. But the, the trouble really lies with the larger tractors where there's heavier draft work happening. The, the range of applications are wider. There's more power required. So it, it's just really, that's where the struggle is, just getting that balance, you know. So the battery-powered um, the battery powered tractor then, um, in terms of, say, torque um, and battery um, at capacity, um, I suppose Tesla have done a huge amount of work with heavy goods, um, trucks and lorries and, and, and buses. And... They, they seem, their technology seems to be quick to charge as a 30 minute charge and enable the vehicle to go for almost five or 650 kilometers. Um, so we're a little bit behind in terms of tractor and agricultural technology with battery power, do you think, at the moment? Yeah, surely we are definitely behind. I suppose it's different with the likes of your, your trucks and all of our your trucks are always on the road. Your load is going to be relatively always the same. As for machinery, it's working out in rural environments. 
loads are always different. No two fields are the same, you know. Um, if you have a tractor, let's say that's that's under pressure, maybe it's plowing a field, there's more load on the tractor, your capacity is, isn't going to last as long. So your electric charge is going to run out quicker. As for if you're doing a light task, let's say spraying, uh, spraying crops, your battery capacity is going to last for a lot longer. So it's just that's where the struggle seems to lie. It's just them higher load jobs, you know. Our fuel alternatives so far are methane, electric, hydrogen and hybrid. Are there any safety concerns or issues with these alternatives in terms of, um, say, storage or the fuel tank? So, yeah, with with gases, um, your methane, your hydrogen and your battery storage is a problem. Gases, your gas have to be compressed. So you've got tanks uh, and, and the low, given the low density of the gases, they have to be compressed to roughly 200 bar, anywhere up to 350 bar, depending on the gas. So to get 12 kilos of gas into a tank, that's roughly going to take the same space as 470 liters of water due to the density. So that's, that's where the problem lies, getting enough space on these tractors to hold, hold the fuel, especially of the gases. And then batteries, you have the, you have the weight. The more batteries, the higher the weight. So it's just getting that balance. You'd be a bit nervous as well, wouldn't you, with, with hydrogen, I suppose, when we t- think about it's a highly flammable gas. And I know from working with it in the past, it, it doesn't like to stay in the, in the one place. It kind of leaks out at times. I must a molecule or something must be tiny. But that's the one thing, I suppose, if you a big tank underneath you sitting on a tractor, you'd be a little bit nervous sitting on hydrogen. But maybe there's something there to, to predict this going forward. Yeah, exactly. And I suppose from, from a, a glance, just from the outside looking in, hydrogen looks very attractive. But... The more you look at it, the, the less attractive it is. I suppose it, it is far more energy per kilo compared to um, battery power, anywhere, anywhere up to 40,000 watt hours per kg compared to 278 watt hours per kg of a battery power. So that's about 236 times more energy per kilo. But the problem is, um, as abundant as hydrogen is, it, it's, it's mainly found in water. And uh, hydrogen kind of accounts for 75% of the universe's mass. So it's not, it's not available, in a, it's not readily, readily available in its, in its raw form. So it has to be produced. And, and that kind of happens through electrolysis, which is splitting off the water to get the raw hydrogen. And that's where a lot of the inefficiencies lie, you know. Um, we can lose anywhere up to 33% or even further up to 56%. That's where we can find losses, is that splitting off, off the hydrogen to get the raw hydrogen. And oftentimes, that's um, we lose our efficiencies there because electricity is needed, and it kind of goes away from the whole green image. If we're burning diesel to create that electricity to create hydrogen, you know, um, that's that's where the trouble is. And then it has to be pressurized in, into your into your tanks, and we lose more efficiencies there. So I know. suppose that's why we haven't seen New Holland's mass production of the hydrogen power tractor. Exactly. Exactly. Um, New Holland looked at the hydrogen concept back in 2016 and, and they have a tractor working in the Netherlands. But that's that's where the trouble lies. And I've seen in more recent times in the last year, um, New Holland have worked with a third party company and they've developed a, a hybrid tractor which works on diesel and hydrogen power, depending on the load on the tractor, uh, anywhere from 30 to 60 percent hydrogen is mixed with the fuel in the engine. So that's an interesting one to look out for. That's the kind of first hybrid sort of step we've, we've seen in terms of machinery um, production. What challenges do you see with the hybrid? Now, I know they're extremely popular as, as a car. 
and they're gaining in popularity. But as a tra- as a tractor alternative, do you think they're attractive, Gary, or, or what would be the challenges that, that you'd see with the hybrid? Yeah, so I, I suppose the hybrid element um, in the automotive industry is you have your you have your petrol engine and a very little diesel engine hybrids due to kind of the cost of production. But um, it's grand, especially in the automotive industry, it's grand for kind of the, the short commutes or the, the trip into town um, in the region at 30 to 40 kilometers, but not really anything more. And generally with, with machinery and tractors, these machines are going to have to do a day's work in the field for anywhere up to 12 hours, you know. Um, so the, the engine is running, the engine is running to, to, to refuel the, or to regenerate the power in the battery. Um, cars, for example, have only a 40 kilometer range. So if we bring that into a tractor where we only maybe get an hour's range on, on purely electric, it's not really ideal because the engine's going to be running for longer to, to regenerate that power. And it kind of goes, it kind of goes against the whole green image for if you have an engine running the power itself and power a battery, oftentimes the engine's going to be running harder and burning more fuel to do that. So that the whole hybrid element is, is just a little bit of a way in terms of tractors. Yeah, so distance is a challenge and fuel economy is a challenge there, really. Exactly, exactly, yeah. I, I think we're still, we keep getting drawn back to hydrogen. I know I, know I talked about safety a minute ago, but uh, I find right, it's it's twice as efficient as diesel. It's It's not combustion engine. Where, where methane is an internal combustion. So it looks to be, maybe the technology is not quite there yet, but it, it probably, the other thing I, I liked about um, hydrogen was, I think, Gary, don't they convert ammonia to uh, ultra-pure hydrogen? Um, and potentially maybe we could trap ammonia on farms, maybe, because uh, we have an ammonia issue. I wonder, could we kill two birds with one stone, maybe going forward, if, if we could trap that ammonia and convert it? Exactly, yeah. Like hydrogen, it, it really does seem to be the one, like when you look into hydrogen, it really is attractive. Um, and, and the emissions are almost almost nothing, you know, and there's no carbon emitted. So it, it really, it seems it seems to be a real one to look at. When you say carbon, carbon free, like to, it's very hard to ignore that. And I suppose hopefully maybe the investment will go in there and, and see, can it work that? Like I think it, it, to me on paper, it looks to be the one if they can manage it. Exactly. So it's really down to if we can produce our hydrogen um, kind of greenly, if we can produce it with um, green electricity, I think it is one to uh, look out for. One other question there, I'll go back to Thomas vehicles we're talking about. You mentioned uh, kind of archer scale vehicles without a driver, maybe. And I know in the Farmer's Journal there the last couple of months, I've seen some pictures of, of tech there where they're out maybe autonomous vehicles that are sowing seed or they're seeding maybe they're planting or maybe even spraying or fertilizer spreading less weight maybe solar powered or battery powered a mixture of both maybe is 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 that probably going to come in the next 10 20 years i, I know if we talk back 20 years ago we, we probably thought we'd be there now with track driverless vehicles but do you think we're getting close to that some more driverless vehicles in a controlled environment Definitely, yeah, that's definitely the direction or the direction that we're headed. Um, we see a lot more in terms of AI coming on board. Like we have machines now with functions that that can make kind of result-based decisions. And the more the more them machines and, and technology that we get, we get closer to that. So like we have sprayers now with sensors that can sense the weed and, and they can activate the sprayer just to spray that weed individually. And, and similarly with, with combines, we've got technology on board combines now. We've got sensors that they can they can monitor the yield and the results 
from the combine and they can change settings accordingly, you know. So all that technology is being kind of put into the robots that they can go out in the field themselves with the sensors and GPS and auto steer. So I, I think it, it is very close that, that we will have sprayers out in the field that, that can that can operate themselves, you know. And the attractive thing there is there's no operator on board. These machines, there's no downtime, there's no sick days, there's no lunch breaks, you know. And the machines can work 24-7. So um, with, with little error, it's just the, the trouble is, it's just kind of obstacles and um, it, there's always going to be something, you know, out in, out in the fields. Just uh, another thing to overcome with uh, with autonomous vehicles. But it's definitely the direction we're headed and, and we're getting there every 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 year. We're, we're getting closer and closer to it. So, Would it be fair to say that the technology um, would be a solution to some of the sustainability challenges that we have? You know, that we'd be able to do more with less. We'd be able to reduce our inputs and maximise outputs from these advancements. Exactly. I suppose maximizing your, your crop yield and your crop growth, that's definitely one where we will see advancements. You know, there's, we're going to have better application of chemicals. There's going to be no overlap. And we're already seeing that now with section control on sprayers through GPS. But it's just that efficiency and, and that precision. Precision agriculture is kind of the, the big one where we're going to get the most out of our, out of our, um, out of our land and we're going to get the most out of our machines. And as you, as you were saying, Deirdre, less of them, less machines. And yeah, that's that's definitely where we're going. I love the idea of the perception, you know, that they have the perception system. Um, so so you know, that everything's going to be more accurate, that they've got the weed identification, um, you know, the planter technology. So it, it will improve efficiencies. Um, do you think the farmers might um, find it difficult to adapt to the new technology or do you think you know i know they're all farmers are are great innovators but could that be a challenge in the in the future too yeah i I suppose it will be a challenge it'll it'll come down to a lot of it with with farmers especially in ireland comes down to trust of these machines you know and just trusting that the technology works and and once they get onto that technology they can't get away from it gps is a good example like back 10 15 years ago there was very little farmers running GPS in the country. And, and now any farmer that has GPS really won't do without it, you know. Um, yeah, absolutely. It, it's that and, and the cost. If it's affordable, I definitely think farmers will will make the move if, if it comes at an affordable price and, and there is benefits to be gained from it. I think you're right, Gary. Labour is a big issue in the country at the moment. And if, I don't think farmers will worry about getting replaced by robots, really, but... They, they do embrace the technology because it's very difficult to get labor units or people help on a farm at the moment. It could be a, a farmer themselves or a contractor. There seems to be less labor and labor is quite expensive as well. So I think farmers will embrace this new stuff coming. I know initially it's going to be expensive, but they will embrace it. Just going back to basics, Gary, um, I, I saw something really interesting in your article that you were talking about how, how possibly we might attach uh, implements onto our tractors in the future. And Anyone that's driving tractors for years and, and you're looking, working on arms and top links and trying to line up heavy vehicle or machine or implement sometimes can be a, f- a fair chore if you don't come in at the right angle. But what's the future like for us um, as regards connecting implements to tractors? Yeah, so I suppose for the next 10, 15 years, we're, we're going to still see our three point linkage, but we, we kind of inevitably will move away from that um, as, as time goes on. Um, there was one. Irish tractor manufacturer or Irish manufacturer, Acres Engineering, 
at Agritechnica, they showcased their electric autonomous tractor and it had a new hitching concept on it. It was a bit like a ball and socket joint um, worked through magnetics and, and locking pins and it had sensors. So um, you reverse your, your tractor or, or your autonomous tractor into the implement and it, it mates with it. There's, there's no tree point linkage, no top links, no PTO. And the fact it's electric, we obviously have no PTO, so it's electric drive. So all can be done through the one coupling um, where your electricity passes through the coupling and, and machine is powered through motors. So it does away with your PTO. But then again, all the machines have to be adapted to suit that coupling. But um, it's definitely somewhere that we're, that we're headed. We're going to see new kind of hitching technology. Um, Three-point linkage has been around for a good many years and will be around for another good many years. But we are starting to see moves away from that, you know. Yeah, I think there's probably farmers at home if they're listening to this now doing somersaults in the kitchen because uh, I know we've made improvements over the last number of years on, on, on hitching up machinery, but it can be slow at times. So that, that's great news. I love the idea of connect up ma- magnetically and, and it sounds like that PTO might be even a bit safer than the shafts we're used to as well. Exactly, sure. If, if we're doing away with the PTO and it's all done through electric motors, it's definitely going to have a, an element of increased safety, you know. Yeah, and look, I could tell you horror stories about some of them, but we won't get into that here. But uh, And we mentioned a bit about um, GPS and that kind of technology. So I suppose uh, connectivity connectivity between machines and tractors in, in the future, Gary. Um, I just wonder what, what's coming up. I have a scenario to throw to you in a second and to see if it works. But tell us a bit about the new connectivity that we can expect between maybe manufacturers, uh, service and engineers, machines and that kind of stuff. Yeah, connected connectivity. Yeah, connectivity is really where we have seen kind of advancements over the last number of years. One manufacturer in particular that's really driving the thing on is, is John Deere. Um, kind of we're, we're seeing more of the whole connected approach, and, and the more we see, the more we see it, the more pra- more attractive it is. You know, right through from the dealer to the agronomist to the farmer to the operator can all connect in through one portal and, and can monitor the process and what's happening. And within that tractors, let's say if there's multiple tractors within a fleet, they can all communicate with each other and data can, can be transferred from one to another. So it really makes good sense from, from yield mapping on the combine, for example, the, the yield map can be sent to the tractor that's doing the cultivations and doing the drilling and, and fertilizer spreading. So them areas that are lacking in yield, um, Decisions can be made based on them results to increase, let's say, fertilizer, for example. So that's that's really where benefits are seen from the farmer in terms of the connected approach. But as well as that, the dealer, given that he's granted permission from the farmer, he can monitor the tractor and, and he can see if there's a problem happening with the tractor. Oftentimes he can spot a problem before it actually does happen, you know, um, and he can schedule with the, with the farmer to call out and, and make that um, make that fix without without downtime. So downtime can be scheduled. So that's a real attractive um, feature with the connected approach. And as well from the agronomy side of things, the farmer can send his his yield maps and his crop data to the agronomist, and and decisions can be made based on that. You know. Yeah, and I think, um, look, that that's one aspect of it. And there's so many things you could apply this to, and and definitely for for the downtime and uh, keeping an eye on errors and issues. The contractors were were much more reliant on contractors now than we ever were before. That that'll be a real blessing blessing to those. 
Uh, I'm going to run a scenario by you, Gary. I, I actually, from what you're saying, I think we're close to being able to do this, but I'll run it by you and give your comments on it, maybe. So if we have a tractor, a machine, we have our nutrient management plan for our farm. So all our soil samples, what, what nutrition's in our soils, the crop that we're sowing and, and its requirements, and we input that into a system. It connects to our fertilizer spreader. So when we drive into the field, so instead of us jumping out, having to set the spinner for a certain rate, it knows already because it knows what that field requires for the year or for that time of year. And it can identify the actual field it's in with GPS. So with the GPS, then it's going to monitor perfectly where we're going and the right application rate. And then the supplier knows then what stock we need for the year because we've inputted into the system in a nutrient management plan, the stock requirements of fertilizer for the year. So the system, I'm hoping, will be able to tell if it's the right time to spread, you know, the right soil temperatures, all that kind of stuff, the, the, the current grow conditions. Um, so effectively, the farmer just hooks up, he inputs his data at the start of the year in his nutrient management plan, and he drives into a field and the machinery uh, talks to the tractor about the right driving speed and the right rate application on the spinner. Are, are we close to that, do you think? Yeah, we are edging closer and closer to it every day, you know. Um, that's definitely where we're headed. It's um, it's it's just getting the fine tuning um, with everything in between. But it, that's definitely where we're headed, and, and we've seen a lot of that, as I was saying, with yield maps and variable rate application. So all the technology, all all the all the all the primary factors are they're they're there. It, it's just a matter of getting them all to work in harmony, and that's often where the issue. Um, issue lies is between different manufacturers and different companies where software doesn't communicate. But we, we have seen in the last year or two, um, there's a lot more of a standard being put out there that all manufacturers, they can talk and they can communicate. For a long time, it was if you were John Deere or if you were Case or New Holland, you couldn't communicate outside them brands. And that's where the trouble, that's where the trouble uh, lay, you know. Um, but that's definitely where, where we are headed. Gary, I think it's fair to say that, um, especially Case New Holland, they've done a huge amount of work on this neural thinking and neural um, networking. Um, so it's ways of executing and thinking and joined up thinking. I think they've done quite a bit of work on that at the moment as well. Yeah, New Holland really are at the forefront of the developments. This year, New Holland have um, made their methane tractor, which is showcased at Agritechnica in 2019. Um, it's commercially available now, so anyone who wants to order one, it's it's there to be ordered. Um, New Holland are really looking at this kind of independent farming approach, especially for the German market more so, where AD plants are, are more common. The tractors on the AD plants, the fuel is there to run the run the machinery on the farm, and as well as that, the fuel, which is, is your methane gas, can be sold. And um, that's that's really where where they're looking, and it's really where the German market is, but. In the UK and Ireland, we definitely will see one or two methane tractors coming, um, if not in the next year or two. Uh, but, but New Holland really are as a whole driving the whole game forward. I think all this advancement too will be able to help with, you know, Cahill's scenario um, going forward, you know, the joined up thinking approach and building up intelligence and executing it and the connectivity. Yeah, it, it will surely. We'll have our alternative energies and then we'll have our AI and our artificial intelligence technology and we'll combine all that together, and, and, and that's hopefully where we will end up. Yeah, I could see that being the big issue going forward, and you've said it already, Gary, that um, you know all those big global companies, it doesn't matter if they're whoever they are, Apple or whoever they are, 
they all like to make, I suppose, their own platforms so that you can only use your own machinery with your own machinery. And that, that joined up thinking or that shared platform of where, say, for example, I don't know, a case or a, a John Deere can, can use a machine, a different machine, maybe with a New Holland or whatever. Um, and then try and get those platforms linked. That's going to be the big obstacle, I reckon, will it? Will it? It will surely, and John Deere especially have have been working on on uh, being more com- compatible. And there there has been a new there's new software out there called Data Connect, and, and that kind of that's one portal that brings all the different manufacturers together. And uh, it's kind of where all the manufacturers communicate through this one portal. So kind of there is broad communication between brands. But um, yeah, as as time goes on, John Deere are adding more and more different third-party companies so they'll they are compatible with their my john d or my operation center you know one final question gary um i suppose for anyone listening home now that that are really interested in this kind of stuff where can they look for new ideas or machinery of the future is there any shows or websites they can keep an eye on to to keep up to date in this kind of stuff yeah so for what we see the the real kind of developments for we see them kind of released and unveiled to the public is is really at the large shows agritechnica being one it's it's the biggest it's the biggest trade fair for machinery and technology um in agriculture and it takes place in germany and hanover every second year and that's that's where we see a lot of these technologies unveiled um as i said that's where we've seen all the concept tractors launched and, and that's that's where we see that's, that's where we see all kind of the major developments. But as well as that, there's, there's several websites online where we, everyone can, can follow the advancements as they're being released and announced, you know. My kids love looking at YouTube videos of all of these autonomous um, vehicles and new technology um, in respect to agriculture as well. There's fantastic stuff up on, on YouTube as well for, for everybody to see. You may whip out the checkbook then, Deirdre. I know, Christmas. because Dad is very nervous at the <laughs> moment. <laughs> but surely in, in the next 10 years, we, we are going to see a lot of advancements. Um, so it's kind of, it is exciting times ahead. And for anyone that's that's kind of enjoys seeing that, the, the thing moving forward and the technology coming on board the next 10 years will, is definitely one to, to look out for, you know. Yeah, certainly. So look, with technology and agriculture certainly being very exciting area to keep an eye on over the next few years. And we're looking forward to seeing new ideas and machinery making a positive impact on, on farm efficiency. And if it's become makes the farm more efficient, it's it's better for our sustainability in our environment as well. So Gary, I think you have probably a bit of a dream job there looking at lots of people would like that job, looking at machinery all the time and, and reporting on it. So it's great. Thank you very much for your time. Really enjoyed that chat. Thank you, Gary. Well, thanks very much. Thanks very much for having me. That's it for this episode of Chagas Environment Edge podcast. Thanks to Gary Abbott, machinery correspondent with the Irish Farmers Journal for joining us on the show. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. You can listen on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. And for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Cahal Summers. And I'm Georgia Lynn. Join us next time for the Chugs Environment Edge podcast, signpost to farm sustainability.